of Galatians. It's actually a letter, and uh, I'm really excited. I tell you, I as I was reading through this, preparing for, uh, preparing for this message, I said, I just, it was so from the Lord. This is perfect. This is perfect. So Galatians. Chapter 1, we're going to go chapter by chapter through this letter, week upon week, and uh, we're going to get to know it well. It's going to become a friend, but it's also going to become a surgeon with a scalpel that just does good work to our heart. Galatians chapter 1 says this, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6. I marvel, meaning I'm astonished, meaning I'm shocked, that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. The NIV says, which is no gospel at all. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert, which means twist, the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Verse 9, just in case they didn't hear that, he says, As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received... Let him be accursed. Let's pray. Lord, that's strong language. It must be meant for us. I pray, Father, that we receive it in its full measure, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. Okay, so here we are, the beginning of a new book, a letter. It begins, Paul, an apostle. An apostle, the, the, the word apostle means sent one. It sounds like a fancy word, but it means sent one, one who is sent. Uh, in particular, this, uh, this kind of pos- apostle um, is one of the, tr- uh, the apostles that Jesus Christ himself sent for the purpose of establishing his church, which would change the whole world. Paul, an apostle. He says, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Now, we were just at the very end of the book of Mark, and we had three weeks on chapter 16 of Mark, which were all about the resurrection. And uh, man, did I want to, and woman, did I want you to understand just the, the importance of the resurrection. And here, r- right up front, um, he, when he mentions Jesus Christ, it says, who the, who the Father 
raised from the dead, the resurrection, without which you would be in this incredibly difficult, no, impossible effort to try to be good enough to be accepted by God. But instead, because of the resurrection and the ascension and the fact that now Jesus Christ is poured out by the Spirit into you at the point you believe, now Jesus Christ lives through you. Remember what we said, Christianity is not about imitating Jesus. Christianity is about Jesus living through you. So again, he's introducing Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ who God raised from the dead, verse 2, and all the brethren who are with me. And then it says, verse 2, to the churches of Galatia. To the churches of Galatia. Now at the beginning of each of Paul's letters, or really any book, I, I like to give an introduction about generally about what the, what the book is about. And uh, I want to start off here with uh, just showing you where Galatia is. Where is he writing to? Oh man, can someone, can someone run up my favorite little uh, toy? Is that somewhere around? So Galatia, uh, Jerusalem's all the way down here at the bottom. Jerusalem at the bottom. Galatia is up uh, kind of in the middle of modern-day Turkey where you see Antioch right there in the middle. Uh, there's actually two Antiochs, but that's one of them up there in the middle. Iconium underneath it, Lystra, Tarsus. Sort of the middle of what we um, see, what we know of as modern-day Turkey. That is Galatia. Galatia. There's a number of cities there. And so, uh, in order to introduce you to Galatia, what I'm going to do, and I do this um, really whenever I teach from one of Paul's letters, whenever I teach from one of Paul's letters, oh wow, I got it. Even though I'm done, I have to use it because it's my favorite toy. So I'm going to, it's right here. Here's Galatia right there. Just for, particularly for the you in the back who couldn't read this, right in the middle of modern-day Turkey, um, right there, is where Galatia is. Thank you, Solomon and Caillou, for finding that. So anytime I start um, a, a letter um, by the Apostle Paul uh, w in a place where he's writing to a church where he started it or he visited, I like to go to the place in the book of Acts, where it talks about where he first visited this place. Because it gives you a really good feel for what's going to come next. How did he get to know these people in Galatia? Well, that's in Acts chapter 13. So go to the left in your Bible. Go to the left to Acts chapter 13, and we are going to take a break now from Galatians, and we are, the, the letter to the Galatians, and we are going to the, the book of Acts, which is the story of how he met the Galatians. I think it's important for you to understand that at the time that Paul arrived in these cities, they knew nothing about Christianity, Jesus Christ, nothing. And it, the, the book of Acts is such a wonderful book that tells us the history of the new church, of the church being planted, of the apostles planting churches. Let's go to verse 14 where it begins. And again, we're reading through this to give you the context and the background and to just add to the richness of what he is going to be saying in the book of Galatians. Book of Galatians, by the way, Martin Luther, along with the book of Romans, it's what the Lord used to, to, to open his eyes and basically all of Europe was turned upside down in the Reformation. 
uh, in the book of Galatians. Same thing with John Wesley, who took the book of Galatians, and I believe it was a sermon from Galatians, who it, it turned him upside down. He crosses the ocean to America and goes up and down the coast uh, with the Methodist revival. So enormous influence this book that we have just started. But here in Acts chapter 13, verse 14, um, it says this. When they, and that includes Paul, departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia. And so that's, uh, that, that, that's this place right here, Antioch. That's this place. So that's what we're talking about right now. And went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. So uh, the the way Paul traveled and planted new churches, he started in the Jewish synagogues. So there were no churches, but he started in the Jewish synagogue because all Christians at that time, virtually all of them, were Jews. There was no such uh, title as a Christian at the time. Uh, that came uh, later. Um, it, it may have started up already, but it was brand new and it was really unknown to the, to the, to the region. Verse 15, and after reading, after the reading of the law and the prophets, so uh, they do just, they did in the synagogue just like we do. They, they, they read the Bible at the beginning of their service. Um, it says the rulers of the synagogues sent to them, meaning they sent to Paul saying, men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So this is interesting here, interesting practice. Uh, they uh, knew that Paul had come from Jerusalem. They knew he was a teacher and they said, listen, do you have something that you want to share? If so, come on up and, and share it is what... Um, is what they said to him. In verse 16, it says, and then Paul stood up. And, oh boy, are they in for a shock, speaking of shock. The gospel is shocking news, shockingly great news, but it's also shockingly fearful news depending upon how you receive it, or it can be both. Both can be a good thing, too. It says, Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. Listen to me. He says in verse 17, the God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt and with an uplifted harm he brought them out of it. So the story of the Jewish people through whom Jesus Messiah came started in Egypt as a nation. They existed before, but they were just a very, very, very small group of people. They came to Israel with, um, rather the Israel, they, uh, um, Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt to, to escape a famine. Um, by the time the Jews got out of there 400 years later, they were about two million people. They went with 70, left with two million. So that's what he's referring to um, right there. And he's also referring to the fact that they were delivered by God from slavery from Egypt. So skip down to verse 21. It says, and afterward, they asked, they meaning Israel, asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years, verse 22. And when he, God, had removed him, he raised up for them David. Now this is the David of David and Goliath fame. It says he raised up David as a king to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. By the way, that's what you want to be. Please, please, everyone look at me right now, please. You want to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. That is the man or woman you want to be. 
It's the most wonderful thing in the world to be, a man or woman. That's what you want your children to be too as well. It says, a man after uh, uh, my, my own heart who will do all his will. And then verse 23, from this man's seed, meaning his descendants, according to the promise of God, God raised up for Israel a savior, Jesus Okay, I want to pause there. We will get back to the Galatians, by the way. But remember, he's talking to the Galatians here. Before he ever writes to them, he was there. He's, he's, he's starting a church here. And, and, and again, in verse 23, he says, from David's seed, one of his descendants, God raised up a savior. A savior. A savior. God raised up a savior. Now, this is a big deal. And, and we'll find out, by the way, by the time he, he finishes speaking, after he finishes speaking, these people are going to be begging him, literally, it says that, begging him to continue talking about this savior. They're going to be back. And, and then the, a week later, the whole city is going to be showing up to hear him speak again when he talks about this savior. Savior. Why? Why is this such a big deal? This word Savior. Why is this? Verse 44 says, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came to hear the word of God. Why? Why is this word Savior? Why does it resonate? No, it explodes, to use that word again, in their hearts. Why? Why is it? Because Calvary Chapel, deep down inside, Every man and every woman knows he's in trouble with God or she is in trouble with God. Every human being knows that. You, you, really, you talk to any secular psychologist and you can get them to that same conclusion. They know they're in trouble with God and they know they need a savior. They know it. They need a savior. A savior from what, though? A savior from what? And, and what kind of trouble? That trouble with God? What, what, what does that mean? Why is it that man instinctively knows he's in trouble with God? Why is that? Well, um, we see, uh, can we get Romans chapter 1, verse 18? This is, this is a, a foundational verse for Christian theology. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 says, we see the anger of God coming down from heaven against all the sins of men. These sinful men keep the truth from being known. This is who we are by our nature, Calvary Chapel. End of the verse. We keep the truth from being known so we can live however way we want. But the Bible says that God's holy and there are consequences for that. You don't just take God's backyard and trash it and, and think God's not going to do uh, anything about it. He's God. Uh, the, the, so, so why else um, do they instinctively know that something's wrong and they're in trouble? Uh, the next verse, Colossians 3, 6, because of these things. Because of what things? Just the way that man lives, just the way that you live and I lived. The wrath of God, the wrath meaning the anger of God, is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Next verse, Ephesians 5, 6, same thing. Because of these things, what things? What things? Just the stuff that we do, <laughs> naturally. The stuff that we're naturally inclined to. The wrath of God is coming. Can we have that again? The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Next one. Uh, this is Romans 5 now. Having now been justified by his blood, so this is what's going to be coming up later, 
We shall be saved from wrath through him. Whose wrath? God's wrath, God's anger, God's judgment. And it's an eternal judgment. Instinctively, every man knows that he is in trouble with God and that he needs a savior. That is why in the book of Mark we learned that the very first words Jesus ever said, he ever said, Jesus the Savior, first thing he ever said was what? Mark chapter one, do we have that, Caillou? Mark chapter one, verse 15. This is Jesus speaking, first words out of his mouth in his public ministry. The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, meaning Turn away from wherever you're going, turn away from whatever you're doing, and turn to God. Repent and believe in the gospel. And we learned the last thing, among the last things that he said, was what? Jesus said uh, at the very end of his ministry, go, and he told this to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now why? Why, oh why, oh why, would Jesus be saying that, go everywhere and preach the gospel because the world's in trouble with God. Justly so. I, I heaped up a lot of trouble uh, with the Lord prior to coming to Jesus Christ and every single bit of trouble I was in was justified. I was justified that God was justified uh, not, not being okay with what I, um, I was doing. And, and so, um, uh, and, and so, so important that we understand the importance of these people. They've never heard this. What, a savior? Uh, again, let's get, um, if you can go back with me to Acts chapter 13, uh, verse 23, he said, from this man's seed, meaning David's seed, according to the promise of God, God raised up for Israel a savior. And then go to verse 26. He continues to these churches in Galatia. This is in one city in the Galatian region. He said, men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. Meaning, I'm bringing you now the good news of this salvation is what he's saying. Verse 27, for those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, so he's gonna talk about Jesus' crucifixion now. He said, those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know Jesus, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read every day, having fulfilled them in condemning him, meaning they put him to death. He's referring to the uh, crucifixion there. Verse 28, and though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate, Pilate was the Roman governor, that he should be put to death. Verse 29, now when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, there were many things written in the Old Testament about Jesus one day, the Messiah coming and having to die. So again, verse 29, now when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and they laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. So let's, let's skip down to verse 38. Again, this, is, this guy is just showing up here and he's telling them about Jesus. They don't know anything about Jesus. They don't know anything about a savior or that a savior, a man uh, has come to, uh, who's the God man, who's, gonna, who, who's the savior of the world. So verse 38, he continues. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, speaking of Jesus Christ, is preached to you the forgiveness of sin. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now that's a very important verse, so I'm going to give it to you in an easier translation. Verse Acts 13, 39 says, this is Paul speaking to this church in Galatia. He's planning this church. He says, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ is made right in God's sight 
something the law of Moses could never do. Meaning, no matter how much you follow God's law, the law of Moses is referring to the law in the Old Testament. And what he's saying is, no matter how much you follow uh, God's law, no matter how hard you try, no matter how good you are doing it, you cannot be made right with God. However, it says, if you believe in Jesus Christ, who he is and what he did for you, you are made right in God's sight. Meaning you're made pure. Meaning you're made good. Meaning you're made ready for a relationship with God. Meaning you're made ready for heaven. So they're hearing this for the first time. Let's continue. Go to verse 42. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So the Gentiles, a Gentile is a what? It's a, it's a, it's a, a Gentile is a non-Jew. Most of you in this room, you're, you're Gentile. So less, you know, 99.9% of the world are Gentiles. And at the synagogues at the time, the Jewish synagogues, there would be the Jews in the inner court, but then those who had figured out that the Jews had the truth, they would be around observing and listening to everything that was said. And it said, man, when they heard this, considering all the 613 Jewish laws that were required, or, or, or so it was preached, required for them to get right with God, all of a sudden, they're, they're finding out that there's a Savior, and that not by doing the law, but by believing in Jesus Christ, they could be made right in God's sight. Man, they were begging. They were begging for him to keep on talking. Paul, keep on talking, please. And it says here again in verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Verse 48, it says, now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. Verse 50, but the Jews stirred, out, stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city. They raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So that is Antioch. So go with me now into chapter 14. We're going to read a few verses from chapter 14 to Acts chapter 13 and 14 are about the church plants in Galatia. These are the people Paul is writing to in the book of Galatians. So in ver uh, chapter 14, verse 1 says, now it happened in Iconium. So can we get the map again, Caillou? So um, here is Iconium. Uh, Iconium is right there, right? So he starts here and he goes down to Iconium. And in this chapter, in the next few verses, he's going to go down to Lystra as well. And so um, it says here in Iconium, they went together to the synagogue of the Jews. So same method here. He goes into the synagogue. And so he spoke that, and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks, Believe there's so many people longing to be made right with God. There's a longing in people's heart to be made right with God. They know they're in trouble. They, they, they think they're in trouble and they're right. Anyone who thinks they're not in trouble with God prior to a relationship with Jesus Christ is greatly deceived. So here it says there are many, many um, um, here a great multitude, they believe. Verse two. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace. 
granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Verse 4, but the multitude of the city was divided. Part sided with the Jews, part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse them and stone them, Verse 6, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region. Now, go with me to verse 19. So they go to these other cities in Galatia. But verse 19 says, the Jews from Antioch and Iconia came there. So there were, there were troublemakers, those who divide. There are those who divide the body of Christ. And they actually go out of their way. Here they go to a different city to, to, to bring division. And they say, having persuaded the multitude, listen, verse 19, they stoned Paul. They stoned him. And they dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Now, most Bible scholars believe he died. Why? Because in 2 Corinthians, he tells about a death experience where he went up and, 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 and experienced the, the, uh, the things in heaven, he said, which are unlawful for me to actually get into detail about. So it is believed that he actually died here. They stoned him and dragged him out of the city. Supposing him to be dead. Verse 20, however, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went uh, into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, the place he was stoned. He went back there. And to, it says, verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, underline this, Christian who thinks that trials and tribulations are not part of the Christian life, underline this verse. He strengthened them, how? By saying to them, we must through many, not some, many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. If you are a born-again believer, there's going to be a lot of tribulation in your life for living for God between now and the time Jesus comes back or you go on to be with the Lord. There are, so he strengthened them. Why did that strengthen them, by the way? Because they're like, oh, okay, I get it. Because sometimes we're in trials. We're like, hey, wait, I thought Christians are um, not supposed to be in trials. No, that's just the TV preachers, or, or some of them. Um, in reality, it's, it's, it's part of the Christian life. You, you stir up the demonic realm when you start living for Jesus Christ. And when you stir up the demonic realm, believe me, you will have tribulations. It's through many tribulations we enter the kingdom of God. Verse 23, so when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed, and then they, they departed. And that's it. Those are the people he's writing to in this letter. So you can go back to the Galatians now at this point. These are the people that he's writing to. And you know one of the wonderful things about Galatians? I mean, it starts off so harsh. It's the only one of Paul's letters. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't give him any encouragement or commendation at the beginning. You're like, oh, what in the world is going on here? But, 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 but turn with me briefly, and then we're going to go right back. Turn with me briefly to verse 19 of chapter 4. Would you go to Galatians 4.19? This is what Paul's heart, this is what his heart is. Galatians 4.19. Says my little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. My little children, for whom I labor 
and birth again, meaning he's, he's willing to do anything, any amount of pain, any amount of grief. He's willing to die. He loves them. And I, I pray, I pray for the same heart for you all. And indeed, indeed the Lord has given it to me. I, I, I pray that Christ would be formed in you. You live one time, once. And you don't want to get to the end of your life where Christ has not been form, formed in you and, you're, and you have not given glory to your God for saving you. And it's the abundant life anyway. It's the life of happiness. Tribulations are followed with happiness. Actually, there's happiness in them over time. You learn that. But this is the heart that he has for them. But let's go back to the beginning of, of, of Galatians here. So all that, that's the introduction. It says, to the churches of Galatia. So anyone remember where we are? Where are we? What verse? Verse what? All right. Verse 3. We're in verse 3. So at the end of verse 2, he says, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I was just talking with a sister in the church yesterday and she always greets everyone, grace and peace. I said, do you know that's how Paul introduces every single letter? Grace and peace. Sometimes, every once in a while it says grace, mercy and peace, but grace and peace to you. Now, very, very briefly, um, it's in that order for a reason. He doesn't say peace and grace. Anyone know why? That he doesn't say peace before grace, shout it out. That's right. You can't have peace. <laughs> you can't have peace unless you first experience grace. No such thing. Grace is, and I love these definitions. We're, we're, I'm working on it and I change it. Every time I give a definition of grace, I change it. Grace is this, Calvary Chapel. You deserve a punishment from God. Why? For your sins. For living for a time without God. Or, or for living with, where God is not in your thoughts. And when rubber meets the road, you choose what you want and not what God wants. You deserve a punishment from God. But grace is this. Instead, he gives you a reward, not because of anything good you have done, but because of what Jesus did for you. Now, when you understand grace, you will experience what? Peace. So he, that's, why, that's how he begins. He says, grace and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse four, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Listen, there's a lot in the world to enjoy. God's created the world for, as a garden for us to enjoy. But don't be deceived. This world will chew you up and once it gets every bit of taste out of you, it will spit you out. <laughs> and, and so that's what the, this is saying here. He's saying, he gave, Jesus Christ, verse 4, gave himself for your sins that he might deliver us for you from this present evil age according to the will of God the Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, I marvel. I'm shocked. I'm stunned that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. NIV says, which is no gospel at all. And there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let them be accursed. And then again, I said it before, I'll say it again, just in case someone was, is sleeping and they didn't hear, because I don't see how you could have missed that. He says it again. 
In verse 9, he says, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Wow. Wow, what a beginning to a letter. Oh, wow, this is from Paul, really cool. Let's see what he has to say. Well, we, uh, we, he first gave us the gospel. It's like, huh, huh, whoa, you know, you know, what is going on here? What is going on? I think, Calvary Chapel, you are in a, a really good position to know exactly what's going on. Why? Because we spent about six weeks on the cross. We spent about six weeks on the cross. And I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it again. I can't, I, I can't get this out of my mind. The book of Mark, which we just finished, chapter 15, verse 33 says, darkness from the sixth to the ninth hour, meaning from nine to 12 noon, Darkness was over all the land while Jesus was being crucified, naked, covered with uh, welts, and his body opened up because of being beaten by a Roman whip, flagellum, four leather cords with little pieces of iron and glass in it. And he's there, he's covered with blood, he's in naked, he doesn't have anything on, he's in the dark. The darkness is what? It is a reflection on the outside of what's going on in the inside of his heart. Which were, why was his heart darkened? Because he, for all eternity, had been uh, listening really in the presence of the Lord, listening to those words which God de declared to him. We see this also at the beginning of Mark. You are my son in whom I exceedingly rejoice. And that went silent. Darkness covered the land. Why? Because your sin was on Jesus. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because of your sin and my sin. He was paying for your sin and mine. Now, why is Paul flipping out? Be, let anyone who's preaching a different gospel, let him be accursed because... After Paul had left, some folks had followed him in, and what they began to teach them was what Jesus did for you on the cross. When he was there naked, covered with um, open wounds, that was not enough to purchase your salvation. That was not enough. You need to add something more. You're so good that you actually have something you can add to that thing that was done on the cross. And they began to teach them. You need to follow the Jewish law, which was no small thing, by the way, 613 laws. There were, you need to eat certain things. Many laws, as you know, for those of you who are with us on Tuesday night who have been going through the Old Testament, there's a, there's a whole huge list of things you can eat and then there's stuff you must eat. You're required to eat, actually, if you're a Jew. Not only those laws, but there were laws. Uh, turn to, to, to Galatians uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 9, or 4, verse 9. Turn to chapter 4, verse 9. He says to them, But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be put in bondage. You observe days and months and seasons and years. What that's referring to are all the Jewish laws about feasts they were required to travel across the sea to Jerusalem. And now Paul's coming in and saying the, the, the cross and the cross alone. Look at chapter 3. We're bouncing around now to verse 1. Chapter 3 of Galatians, verse 1, what does it say? Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? Meaning, the cross alone pays for your salvation. Nothing else. You can't add to it. But people had come in after and said, no, the cross is not enough. And by the way, men, you've got to be circumcised. 
you got to be circumcised now. These were all Gentiles. Now This, this region are non-Jews. And so what does it do? It throws a wet blanket on their joy. It throws a wet blanket on their joy. A weight was added. How many of you were here last week? Raise your hand. If you were here last week. If, if you weren't here, you may want to listen to the sermon. But we went into an Old Testament picture of Jesus Christ, meaning there, was a, there are pictures throughout the Old Testament of what was going to happen with Jesus Christ. Now, what, with Jesus Christ, his blood is applied to you and it cleanses you of your sin. Last week, we saw this wonderful Old Testament picture of the law of the leper. And again, the leper and all their uh, disease is a picture of the disease of sin in our lives. And, and what happened when the leper was cleansed? They bought two birds. One, they killed it. The blood went over running water. And the other one, they put the blood on that bird and they did what with that bird? They let it go, and the bird flew out. What? Free. Free from trying to be good enough every day to make up for that awful thing that you did, oh, how many years ago, or whatever you did this morning. Free from, from dealing with making up for even that subtle sense of pride or, or that lust that went through your mind or the sewerage, uh, the, sewer, the sewerage that you've made your mind into by getting into pornography or the greed or the whatever the Bible says I read this week in 1 John. You hate someone, that's murder according to God. And when human beings start to get it, it's like, whoa, I'm in trouble with God, all this stuff. And believe me, as you get older, you realize, uh, I'm not as good as I thought I was. And, 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 and then um, you are told that the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all that sin. You put your faith in, in, in the Lord. I'm telling you, it's like a bird. You are free. You're free from being justified, being made good in the eyes of God by trying to be good. And so Paul, we were talking about the guy, he says, listen, it's like labor pains, guys. He doesn't apologize to the women. He says, it's like labor pains, how much I want to see you and Christ formed in you, but he knows it's never going to happen if they think they got to be circumcised, they got to go across the sea to Jerusalem for a feast, they got to do kosher and whatever. Just throwing a wet blanket on their joy. And Christian, you were made to rejoice. That is what you were, were made to do. You were made to rejoice. God created you to rejoice. God created you to love him with rejoicing. It's the biggest pleasure we'll ever have. But man, when you start have someone throwing the law on you, throwing rules, you got to dress in this way. You got to have this kind of worship music. You got to respond in this way to the pandemic. You 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 got to uh, speak in this way. You got to say these kind of prayers. All of a sudden, the joy is gone, and you're under the law again. And I'm telling you, a guy like me, that doesn't make me happy. That gets me really upset when I see a wet blanket thrown on people's joy because the law has been added to the perfect law of grace. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this time. And while they're coming up, I want to read these important verses. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says this, and God's saying it to you right now. He says, Galatians 5 verse 1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. The word liberty is a big deal in this in this letter, you're free. Don't let someone else put you under bondage by making up rules of stuff real Christians, real Christians. Oh, you know, you'll hear they don't celebrate Christmas. Real Christians, they don't call Easter Easter. 
or real Christians, they, 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 they drink wine or they don't drink wine. You, it happens all the time. That there, there are modern day Judaizers that will come in and you've got to use the King James Version of the, or a particular version of the Bible. I read with one of the uh, brothers this week, we have to, to relentlessly, actually it's in the book of Hebrews, right? It's in the book of Hebrews chapter three. It says, strive vigilantly to stay in grace. Why? Because there's so many voices that try to pull us out of grace. And so uh, liberty, the liberty uh, that, uh, that a, a Christian has. Look at Galatians 5.13. It says, For you, brethren, have been called to... Everyone say it. <laughs> a little louder. Liberty. A little louder than that. Liberty. For you, brethren, have been called to... Liberty. liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. So don't think that you can just go out and just do whatever you, whatever you want. The last chapter and a half is like, well, man, you're, if, you're, if you're thinking that, this guy's, this guy's also going to whack you. <laughs> That's not what you use grace for, to go out and do whatever you want. But you have to walk in grace. Grace is so empowering. It is like that bird released in an open field, and you just that wonderful picture we saw last week. If you weren't here, you may want to, uh, you may want to listen to that message. Just that wonderful picture of freedom, no longer weighed down by the law, no, lo- no longer weighed down by shame or grief or guilt, but just free. That's the, the Jesus says, "If the Son of Man makes you free, you're free indeed." Why don't you all rise up? If you've been asked to pray, please come up to the front. Thank you for this pac- for your patience. I ran a little longer this morning. I, I, I do pray that this, this sinks in and, and deep inside of you. So the book of James says if, if any of you are feeling trouble or sorrowful or agitated, go to a brother or sister and and have them pray for you. I tell you, I'm the most fortunate guy that I know because I have people praying for me all week. I meet with people and I always ask them to pray for me. You need prayer. You, you need the prayer of your brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm just telling you that right now. You need it. If anything in this, in this message has stirred your heart and you're thinking, man, I want to... I like that picture of that bird. It's real, by the way. It's really, really real. But I'm being, I'm just weighed down by whatever. Come on up. We'll pray for you. Or, you know, we, we, read, we read in Acts chapter 13, it is through many tribulations that we enter the kingdom of God. Some of you, man, you're in some kind of tribulation now. God's bigger but you do need to come and ask, invite him in to be a part of the tribulation. Jesus doesn't rescue us from all, Jesus, actually there is a verse that says Jesus rescues the the righteous from all troubles, but, but he doesn't prevent you from having trouble. But he is with you in all trouble. So if, if, if you're in that tribulation, again, that's through many tribulations that we enter the kingdom of God, and you want prayer for that. Please come up. Otherwise, let's worship. Father, we pray that you would bless this worship time. We pray that we would bless your heart, Lord, as we just open them up to you at this time. In Jesus' name, amen.